Hare Krishna. This is a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Third Canto, Chapter 22, Texts 21 through 39. The marriage of Kardamamuni and Devahuti is completed. And Swayambhuvamanu returns to his capital. Text 21 Sri Maitreya said, O great warrior, Vidura, the sage Kardama said this much only, and then became silent, thinking of his worshipable lord, Vishnu, who has a lotus on his navel. As he silently smiled, his face captured the mind of Devahuti, who began to meditate upon the great sage. Report by Srila Prabhupada. It appears that Kardamamoni was fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness because as soon as he became silent, he at once began to think of Lord Vishnu. That is the way of Krishna consciousness. Pure devotees are so absorbed in thoughts of Krishna that they have no other engagement. Although they may seem to think or act otherwise, they are always thinking of Krishna. The smile of such a Krishna-conscious person is so attractive that simply by smiling, he wins so many admirers, disciples, and followers. Texts 22 and 23 After having unmistakably known the decision of the queen, as well as that of Devahuti, the emperor most gladly gave his daughter to the sage, whose host of virtues was equaled by hers. Empress Sadarupa lovingly gave most valuable presents suitable for the occasion, such as jewelry, clothes, and household articles, and dowry to the bride and bridegroom. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The custom of giving one's daughter in charity with a dowry is still current in India. The gifts are given according to the position of the father of the bride. Paribarhan Mahadanam means the dowry which must be awarded to the bridegroom at the time of marriage. Here, Mahadanam means greatly valuable gifts befitting the dowry of an empress. The words Bhusa Vasa Parichadhan also appear here. Bhusa means ornaments, and Vasaha means clothing, and Parichadhan means various household articles. All things befitting the marriage ceremony of an emperor's daughter were awarded to Kardamamuni, who was, until now, observing celibacy as a brahmachari. The bride, Devahuti, was very richly dressed with ornaments and clothing. In this way, Kardamamuni was married with full opulence to a qualified wife and was endowed with the necessary paraphernalia for household life. In the Vedic way of marriage, such a dowry is still given to the bridegroom by the father of the bride, 
Even in poverty-stricken India, there are marriages where hundreds of thousands of rupees are spent for a dowry. The dowry system is not illegal, as some have tried to prove. The dowry is a gift given to the daughter by the father to show goodwill, and it is compulsory. In rare cases, where the father is completely unable to give a dowry, it is enjoined that he must at least give a fruit and a flower. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, God can also be pleased, even by a fruit and a flower. When there is financial inability and no question of accumulating a dowry by another means, one can give a fruit and a flower for the satisfaction of the bridegroom. Text 24. Thus relieved of his responsibility by handing over his daughter to a suitable man, Swayambhuvamanu, his mind agitated by feelings of separation, embraced his affectionate daughter with both arms. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. A father always remains in anxiety until he can hand his grown-up daughter to a suitable boy. A father and mother's responsibility for children continues until they marry them to suitable spouses. When the father is able to perform that duty, he is relieved of his responsibility. Text 25 the emperor was unable to bear the separation of his daughter. Therefore tears poured from his eyes again and again, drenching his daughter's head as he cried, My dear mother, my dear daughter. Purport by Srila Prabhupada The word Amba is significant. A father sometimes addresses his daughter in affection as mother, and sometimes as my darling. The feelings of separation occur because until the daughter is married, she remains the daughter of the father. But after her marriage, she is no longer claimed as a daughter in the family. She must go to the husband's house. For after marriage, she becomes the property of the husband. According to Manu Samhita, a woman is never independent. She must remain the property of the father while she is not married, and she must remain the property of the husband until she is elderly and has grown up children of her own. In old age, when the husband has taken sannyas and left home, she remains the property of the sons. A woman is always dependent, either upon the father husband, or elderly sons. That will be exhibited in the life of Devahuti. Devahuti's father handed over responsibility for her to the husband, Kardamamuni. And in the same way, Kardamamuni also left home, giving the responsibility to his son, Kapiladev. 
This narration will describe these events, one after another. Texts 26 and 27. After asking and obtaining the great sage's permission to leave, the monarch mounted his chariot with his wife and started for his capital, followed by his retinue. Along the way he saw the prosperity of the tranquil seer's beautiful hermitages on both the charming banks of the Saraswati, the river so agreeable to saintly persons. Purport by Srila Prabhupada As cities are constructed in the modern age with great engineering and architectural craftsmanship, so, in days gone by, there were neighborhoods called Rishikulas, where great saintly persons resided. In India there are still many magnificent places for spiritual understanding. There are many rishis and saintly persons living in nice cottages on the banks of the Ganges and the Jamuna for purposes of spiritual cultivation. While passing through the Rishikulas, the king and his party were very much satisfied with the beauty of the cottages and hermitages. It is stated here, Pasyam Ashram Sampada. The great sages had no skyscrapers, but the hermitages were so beautiful that the king was very much pleased at the sight. Text 28 Overjoyed to know of Swayambhuva Manu's arrival, his subjects came forth from Brahmavarta to greet their returning lord with songs, prayers, and musical instruments. Purport by Srila Prabhupada It is the custom of the citizens of a kingdom's capital to receive the king when he returns from a tour. There is a similar description when Krishna returned to Dwarka after the battle of Kurukshetra. At that time he was received by all classes of citizens at the gate of the city. Formerly, capital cities were surrounded by walls, and there were different gates for regular entrance. Even in Delhi today, there are old gates, and some other old cities have such gates where citizens would gather to receive the king. Here also, the citizens of Barismati, the capital of Brahmavarta, the kingdom of Swayambhuvamanu, came nicely dressed to receive the emperor with decorations and musical instruments. Texts 29 and 30. The city of Barismati, rich in all kinds of wealth, was so called because Lord Vishnu's hair dropped there from his body 
when he manifested himself as Lord Boar. As he shook his body, this very hair fell and turned into blades of evergreen kusha grass and kasha, another kind of grass used for mats, by means of which the sages worshipped Lord Vishnu after defeating the demons who had interfered with the performances of their sacrifices. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Any place directly connected with the Supreme Lord is called Pita Stan. Varismati, the capital of Swayambhuvamanu, was exalted, not because the city was very rich in wealth and opulence, but because the hairs of Lord Varaha fell at that very spot. These hairs of the Lord later grew as green grass, and the sages used to worship the Lord with that grass after the time when the Lord killed the demon, Hiranyaksha. Yagya means Vishnu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In Bhagavad Gita, karma is described as Jagnartha. Jagnartha karma means work done only for the satisfaction of Vishnu. If something is done for sense gratification, or for another purpose, it will be binding upon the worker. If one wants to be freed from the reactions of his work, he must perform everything for the satisfaction of Vishnu, or Yagya. In the capital of Swayambhuvamanu, Barismati, these particular functions were being performed by the great sages and saintly persons. Text 31. Manu spread a seat of kushas and kashas and worshipped the Lord, the personality of Godhead, by whose grace he had obtained the rule of the terrestrial globe. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Manu is the father of mankind. And therefore, from Manu comes the word man, or in Sanskrit, Manusya. Those who are in a better position in the world, having sufficient wealth, should especially take lessons from Manu, who acknowledged his kingdom and opulences to be gifts from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and thus always engaged in devotional service. Similarly, the descendants of Manu or human beings, especially those who are situated in a well-to-do condition, must consider that whatever riches they have are gifts from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Those riches should be utilized for the service of the Lord in sacrifices performed to please Him. That is the way of utilizing wealth and opulence. No one can achieve wealth, opulence, good birth, a beautiful body, or nice education, without the mercy of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, those who are in possession of such valuable facilities must acknowledge their gratefulness to the Lord 
by worshiping him and offering what they have received from him. When such acknowledgement is given, either by a family, a nation, or a society, their abode becomes almost like Vaikuntha, and it becomes freed from the operation of the threefold miseries of this material world. In the modern age, the mission of Krishna consciousness is for everyone to acknowledge the supremacy of Lord Krishna. Whatever one has in his possession must be considered a gift by the grace of the Lord. Therefore, everyone should engage in devotional service through Krishna consciousness. If one wants to be happy and peaceful in his position, either as a householder or a citizen or member of human society, one must promote devotional service for the pleasure of the Lord. Text 32 Having entered the city of Barismati, in which he had previously lived, Manu entered his palace, which was filled with an atmosphere that eradicated the three miseries of material existence. Report by Srila Prabhupada The material world, or material existential life, is filled with threefold miseries, miseries pertaining to the body and mind, miseries pertaining to natural disturbances, and miseries inflicted by other living entities. Human society is meant to create a spiritual atmosphere by spreading the spirit of Krishna consciousness. The miseries of material existence cannot affect the status of Krishna consciousness. It is not that the miseries of the material world completely vanish when one takes to Krishna consciousness, but for one who is Krishna conscious, the miseries of material existence have no effect. We cannot stop the miseries of the material atmosphere, but Krishna consciousness is an antiseptic method to protect us from being affected by the miseries of material existence. For a Krishna-conscious person, both living in heaven and living in hell are equal. How Swayambhuvamanu created an atmosphere wherein he was not affected by material miseries is explained in the following verses. Text 23. Emperor Swayambhuvamanu enjoyed life with his wife and subjects and fulfilled his desires without being disturbed by unwanted principles contrary to the process of religion. Celestial musicians and their wives sang in chorus about the pure reputation of the emperor. And early in the morning, every day, he used to listen to the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead with a loving heart. Purport by Srila Prabhupada Human society is actually meant for realization of perfection in Krishna consciousness. There is no restriction against living with a wife and children, but life should be so conducted that one may not go against the principles of religion, economic development, regulated sense enjoyment, 
and ultimately liberation from material existence. The Vedic principles are designed in such a way that the conditioned souls who have come to this material existence may be guided in fulfilling their material desires and at the same time be liberated and go back to home, back to Godhead. It is understood that Emperor Swayambhuvamanu enjoyed his household life by following these principles. It is stated here that early in the morning there were musicians who used to sing with musical instruments about the glories of the Lord, and the emperor, with his family, personally used to hear those pastimes of the Supreme Person. This custom is still prevalent in India and some of the royal families and temples. Professional musicians sing with shanives, and the sleeping members of the household gradually get up from their beds in a pleasing atmosphere. During bedtime, those singers also sing songs in relationship with the pastimes of the Lord, with shanai accompaniment, and the householders gradually fall asleep, remembering the glories of the Lord. In every house, in addition to the singing program, there is an arrangement for Bhagavatam lectures in the evening. Family members sit down, hold Hare Krishna Kirtan, hear narrations from Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita, and enjoy music before going to bed. The atmosphere created by this Sankirtan movement lives in their hearts, and while sleeping they also dream of singing and glorification of the Lord. In such a way, perfection of Krishna consciousness can be attained. This practice is very old, as learned from this verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. Millions of years ago, Swayambhuvamanu used to avail himself of this opportunity to live householder life in the peace and prosperity of a Krishna-conscious atmosphere. As far as temples are concerned, in each and every royal palace or a rich man's house, inevitably there is a nice temple, and the members of the household rise early in the morning and go to the temple to see the Mongol Artik ceremony. The Mongol Artik ceremony is the first worship in the morning. In the Artik ceremony, a light is offered in circles before the deities, as are a conch shell and flowers and a fan. The Lord is supposed to rise early in the morning and take some light refreshment and give audience to the devotees. The devotees then go back to the house or sing the glories of the Lord in the temple. The early morning ceremony still takes place in Indian temples and palaces. Temples are meant for the assembly of the general public. Temples within palaces are especially meant for the royal families. But in many of these palace temples, the public is also allowed to visit. The temple of the king of Jayapur is situated within the palace, but the public is allowed to assemble. If one goes there, he will see that the temple is always crowded with at least 500 devotees. After the Mangalartik ceremony, they sit down together and sing the glories of the Lord with musical instruments and thus enjoy life. Temple worship by the royal family is also mentioned in Bhagavad Gita. 
where it is stated that those who fail to achieve success in the bhakti yoga principles within one life are given a chance to take birth in the next life in a family of rich men or in royal family or family of learned brahmins or devotees. If one gets the opportunity to take birth in these families, he can achieve the facilities of a Krishna-conscious atmosphere without difficulty. A child born in that Krishna atmosphere is sure to develop Krishna consciousness. The perfection which he failed to attain in his last life is again offered in this life, and he can make himself perfect without fail. Text 34. Thus, Swayambhuvamanu was a saintly king. Although absorbed in material happiness, he was not dragged down to the lowest grade of life, for he always enjoyed his material happiness in a Krishna-conscious atmosphere. Purport by Srila Prabhupada The kingly happiness of material enjoyment generally drags one to the lowest grade of life, namely degradation to animal life, because of unrestricted sense enjoyment. But Swayambhuvamanu was considered as good as a saintly sage, because the atmosphere created in his kingdom and home was completely Krishna conscious. The case is similar with the conditioned souls in general. They come into this material life for sense gratification. But if they are able to create a Krishna-conscious atmosphere, as depicted here or as prescribed in the revealed scriptures, by temple worship and household deity worship, then, in spite of their material enjoyment, they can make advancement in pure Krishna-consciousness, without a doubt. At the present moment, modern civilization is too much attached to the materialistic way of life, or sense gratification. Therefore, the Krishna consciousness movement can give the people in general the best opportunity to utilize their human life in the midst of material enjoyment. Krishna consciousness does not stop them in their propensity for material enjoyment, but simply regulates their habits in the life of sense enjoyment. In spite of their enjoying the material advantages, they can be liberated in this very life by practicing Krishna consciousness by the simple method of chanting the holy names of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Text 35. Consequently, although his duration of life gradually came to an end, his long life, consisting of a Manvantara era, was not spent in vain, since he ever engaged in hearing, contemplating, writing down, and chanting the pastimes of the Lord. Report by Srila Prabhupada as freshly prepared food is very tasteful, but if kept for three or four hours becomes stale and tasteless, 
So, existence of material enjoyment can endure as long as life is fresh. But at the fag end of life, everything becomes tasteless, and everything appears to be vain and painful. The life of Emperor Swayambhuvamanu, however, was not tasteless. As he grew older, his life remained as fresh as in the beginning because of his continued Krishna consciousness. The life of a man in Krishna consciousness is always fresh. It is said that the sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening, and its business is to reduce the duration of everyone's life. But the sunrise and sunset cannot diminish the life of one who engages in Krishna consciousness. Swayambhuvamanu's life did not become stale after some time, for he engaged himself always in chanting about and meditating upon Lord Vishnu. He was the greatest yogi because he never wasted his time. It is especially mentioned here, Vishnur Kurvato Borvatakata. When he talked, he talked only of Krishna and Vishnu, the personality of Godhead. When he heard something, it was about Krishna. When he meditated, it was upon Krishna and his activities. It is stated that his life was very long, 71 yugas. One yuga is completed in 4,320,000 years. 71 of such yugas is the duration of the life of a manu, and 14 such manus come and go in one day of Brahma. For the entire duration of his life, 4,320,000 times 71 years, Manu engaged in Krishna consciousness by chanting, hearing, talking about, and meditating upon Krishna. Therefore, his life was not wasted, nor did it become stale. Text 36. He passed his time, which lasted 71 cycles of the four yugas, 71 times 4,320,000 years, always thinking of Vasudeva and always engaged in the matters regarding Vasudeva. Thus he transcended the three destinations. Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda. The three destinations are meant for persons who are under the control of the three modes of material nature. These destinations are sometimes described as the awakened, dreaming, and unconscious stages. In Bhagavad-gītā, the three destinations are described as the destinations of persons in the mode of goodness, passion, and ignorance. It is stated in the Gītā, that those who are in the mode of goodness are promoted to better living conditions in higher planets, and those who are in the mode of passion remain within the material world on the earth or on heavenly planets. But those who are in the mode of ignorance are degraded to an animal life on planets where life is lower than human. But one who is Krishna conscious is above these three modes of nature, it is stated in Bhagavad-gītā that anyone who engages in devotional service to the Lord automatically becomes transcendental 
to the three destinations of material nature and is situated in the Brahmabhuta, or self-realized stage. Although Swayambhuvamanu, the ruler of this material world, appeared to be absorbed in material happiness, he was neither in the mode of goodness nor in the mode of passion or ignorance, but in the transcendental stage. Therefore, one who fully engages in devotional service is always liberated. Bivimangal Thakur, a great devotee of the Lord, stated, If I have unflinching devotion to the lotus feet of Krishna, then Mother Liberation is always engaged in my service. The complete perfection of material enjoyment, religion, and economic development is at my command. People are after Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. Generally, they perform religious activities to achieve some material gain, and they engage in material activity for sense gratification. After being frustrated in material sense gratification, one wants to be liberated and become one with the absolute truth. These four principles form the transcendental path for the less intelligent. Those who are actually intelligent engage in Krishna consciousness, not caring for these four principles of the transcendental method. They at once elevate themselves to the transcendental platform, which is above liberation. Liberation is not a very great achievement for a devotee, to say nothing of the results of ritualistic performances in religion, economic development, or materialistic life of sense gratification. Devotees do not care for these. They are situated always on the transcendental platform of the Brahmabhuta stage of self-realization. Text 37 Therefore, O Vidura, how can persons completely under the shelter of Lord Krishna in devotional service be put into miseries pertaining to the body, the mind, nature, and other men and living creatures? Purport by Śrīla Prabhupāda Every living entity within this material world is always afflicted with some kind of miseries pertaining either to the body, the mind, or natural disturbances. Distresses due to cold in the winter and severe heat in the summer always inflict miseries on the living entities in this material world. But one who has completely taken shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord in Krishna consciousness is in the transcendental stage. He is not disturbed by any miseries, either due to the body, the mind, or natural disturbances of summer and winter. He is transcendental to all these miseries. Texts 38 and 39 In reply to the question asked by certain sages, he, Svayambhuvamanu, out of compassion for all living entities, taught the diverse sacred duties of men in general, 
and the different varnas and ashrams. I have spoken to you of the wonderful character of Swayambhuvamanu, the original king, whose reputation is worthy of description. Please hear, as I speak of the flourishing of his daughter, Devahuti. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the third canto, 22nd chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled The Marriage of Kardamamuni and Devahuti. <laughs> 